Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to be able to have you back again this week. And as always, every week, we're on a journey together to be able to figure out this journey of being a dad to a daughter. It's not always easy. It can be challenging, but it's also so rewarding. And and you know that. Sometimes, though, it's so important for us to be able to connect with, with each other, but also with others and be able to learn from others. And that's what this show is all about. It's all about the opportunity for you to be able to connect with other dads and to be able to learn from what they've learned in their own experience raising daughters today. And we've got another great guest today. Corey Carlson is with us as an entrepreneur, former executive, husband, father of three. Corey Carlson understands the pressures of working parents. He's passionate about helping business leaders win at both work and home. And 20 years in corporate America gave Corey amazing opportunities as he worked his way into the executive level, but he also saw brokenness, work without purpose, strained marriages, and absentee parents. Through this, he discovered coaching, and it helped him to become not only a better leader, but a better husband and a better father. So he left his corporate career to work with other leaders to achieve a healthier work-life balance. Corey lives down in Cincinnati with his wife and three kids. We're going to talk about his own experience in being a father, and we're going to be able to learn about leadership a bit more and what dads can do to be better leaders in the home, at work, and beyond. So really excited to be able to have him here. Corey, thanks so much for being here today. Chris, thank you very much for the, the opportunity. Looking forward to the conversation. I love your mission. Well, I really appreciate you being here today. And I know you've got two daughters. You've got an 18 and a 14-year-old, very similar ages to my own daughters. So I'm interested in, in your perspectives here. So I want to turn the clock back in time. I want to go way back all the way back to that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter, what was going through your head? Actually, it was, uh, I mean, I just, I mean, pure excitement of just having a kid. And then we did a, we did a fun surprise where we had the nurse, we, we you know, figure out the gender of the baby, you know, cause we did, you know, one of those gender reveals, but anyways, put it on a note in an envelope and then we opened up in the kind of the own privacy, our own home. And it was just, it was so cool to open that up and realize I was having a daughter. And I just, man, I thought it'd just be pretty darn powerful because wanted to kind of be a dad that brought a, a daughter into the world of showing her what a gentleman should look like and how they should be treated and thinking that, hey, I got to, you know, get the chance to do that. How cool will that be? I've talked to a lot of dads over the years and a lot of times with dads, with daughters, there's sometimes some fear that is in their heads not only when they start, but as they go through that journey with their daughters, fear about what it means to be a dad to a daughter. What would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters in today's society? Yeah, for sure. I think a, a fear, just, you know, just kind of letting them down. I mean, just, you know, you, you didn't kind of show them all the, the right things or teach them all the, the right ideas and you didn't prepare them well. So I think that's the biggest fear is just, am I doing enough to prepare her well? I mean, there's so much to learn before you send them off. 
And are we, in the time I spend with her, am I investing the right amount of time, talking about the right amount of things? And, and so when you know she sent her off, she's equipped and empowered to be a strong woman. And so that, that I said that would be one of the, the biggest fears I would have is, hey, did I do enough to send her off well? So let's talk about that because, as you said, you want to make sure you're putting enough time in. How did you gauge that for yourself? How did you gauge whether it was enough, too much, not enough? And how did you adjust along the way? Yeah, I think I was probably early on my oldest childhood. I was probably just more of a hot mess, like, because I didn't have my work life balance all figured out. I was working a lot, laptop on my lap, kind of phone in my hand when I was around, you know, my kids and. And just probably wasn't that intentional. Then really through, I'd say about a decade ago. So, you know, she would have been eight years old. So I probably could have learned this a little sooner, but luckily it wasn't too late. But really just got this idea of just being very intentional with the time. And and the idea that it doesn't need to be a full on day to hang out, but sometimes it could just be a very intentional 20 minutes. And when I am together, making sure I'm intentional and listening, asking questions, being present, and then finding the right time to when I want to be kind of a coach or, or sharing all this wisdom with her. It just totally became different. I'd call it the second half of my daughter's time you know, under our house versus the first time. First time, I think, was just kind of more chaotic, didn't know exactly what I was doing. But then this next part, I just, and so things became more important where I want to make sure I went on dates with each of my kids, where it was go get coffee or go get ice cream, kind of depending on what their age was. I wanted to do an overnight with each of the kids. That became something that I just wanted to have that time to, you know, be intentional, have some conversation. And, you know, and then, you know, as being a coach, you know, there's different content and tools that I kind of wanted to share with her as well as being a man strong in my faith. And so is my wife, that there were a few things I wanted to share with her in regard to those pieces. So I think my intentionality changed where I wanted to be more is more about presence than provision. You know, I'd say maybe the first part of her childhood was about, hey, how much money can I go make? How you know, I'll climb up the corporate ladder. And if I have all this money, then I've been a good dad. And then I think in that second half of her childhood, it became more, no, man's presence over provision. She's going to be much better off with me sharing wisdom with her, me loving on her, me caring for her than some zeros in a bank account. Now, I mentioned that you have two daughters and you talked about the fact that you wanted to have those special times with each of your daughters. You wanted to be able to as you said, overnights or dates with your daughters and opportunities to be able to talk with them one-on-one. Every child is a little bit different. And as you go through that journey of being a father to your kids, you have to do what you can to be able to build those relationships. What did you have to do to be able to build those unique relationships with each of your daughters? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great question. And I think one, you know, be observant to how they're receiving your questions, your comments, your interaction. And if we keep kind of shoving it down, kind of their throat as far as this is how we are going to communicate, these are things we're going to do, they just won't be receptive. My oldest is very much like me. So that was kind of easy. I mean, just could think on the spot, you know, as far as just have conversation, like to kind of dive deep on some, you know, topics here and there. My middle child more of an introvert wanted to, you know, takes time to process. 
So wasn't up for those deep dive conversations right away. Wanted to think about it for a little bit. So I just had to adapt some for sure. And so their love languages are just being different as well as how they viewed spending quality time. So I had to be paying attention, aware, and have the humility to adjust to kind of meet, basically meet their needs, how they want to communicate. So as you had to adjust and you were making those, those intentional moves to be engaged with each of your daughters, what would you say is your favorite thing that you like to do with each of your daughters to maintain that unique relationship? Yeah, with my oldest, it is, I mean, granted, she's a little older now, being 18, but it is going to get coffee and, and talking and kind of hanging out because she can start kind of having those conversations. And so that's very, very enjoyable. You know, my middle daughter, it seems like we make a lot more progress, kind of maybe when we're, we're, we're doing something together. Uh, maybe it is painting or maybe it's drawing or kind of playing a game, but it's kind of more of that. I, it's almost like with my oldest, it's that face-to-face -face communication. And then with my middle, it's more that shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. And so with my middle, we get a lot of shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time because she's a competitive gymnast. So we're driving a lot together and it's the gym is 25 minutes away. So we spend a lot of time communicating that way. So I think that's a big distinction too of my two kids. One's that face-to-face, -face, the other's more shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder in our conversations. It's so interesting when you think about that because my daughters are very different as well in the sense of how they interact, how they engage, and you do have to adjust and you have to find what connects or what works with each of them because one approach is not going to work with every child. And you have to understand it. I don't think that all fathers are told that when they step into fatherhood. You know, there is no right right way to father. I've said that many times, but there is also not right one right way to father every child. And I think that's an important factor that we all have to learn as we go through our own fatherhood journey. Absolutely. Just, yeah, I mean, so it goes back to kind of having the humility to not only parent them differently, but also almost on the spot asking for feedback, right? We get feedback all the time in corporate America. But yeah, we don't get, we don't look for feedback much at home. And I remember, I've done this a few different times, but with my middle child, I said, hey, on a scale from one to 10, 10's an I'm amazing dad. One, I obviously am awful dad. Rank me. Where am I at? And if you do this at home for any listeners, the, the, the number they give you doesn't necessarily matter because it's very subjective. But it's the next question where there's gold. And for me, you know, I can't, I can't remember what number she said. Let's just say maybe she said it was six. But I said, what's the one thing I can do in the next week to move it closer to a 10 that I could be a better dad? And my middle daughter says, well, I don't want you talking about God or about vision or anything coaching related before noon. <laughs> and really what the whole idea of that was is that my morning, my, my perfect morning is I go to the gym at 5 a.m. I then do my quiet time, which is, you know, scripture and prayer. And then, but then what will happen is, Chris, I'll then come home like fired up. Kind of like, let's go, let's take on the kids. What is your vision? What are your values? What are you going after? You know, what is God calling you to do today? Like all <laughs> on fire. And obviously that's very annoying. I think being a, a kid of a coach, a kid of a hard charging individual could be pretty darn annoying. But by me asking the question, I now got feedback and I, I totally adjusted. Have there been a few days I've broken that rule? Yes. And I'll have to apologize. But as a whole, I just know that that, I'll get tons of rolled eyes 
And I will push them away from really all of those things I find to be important. You've been talking about the ways in which you engage and, you know, with your middle child, you said you have those long car rides, but, but what would you say for both of your daughters? What was the most memorable experience that you were able to share with each of them? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is probably one of the better things we did as a parent and what we reinforced almost like if they leave the house and they don't know exactly how to manage the checkbook or not that we even really do much of that anymore, but you know, manage the money or, or or whatever that is. What I'm grateful for is that they are leaving knowing their identity. And so we did an identity ceremony. And that's the I'm so grateful that we did that. When they both turned 13, you know, we just this whole idea of that their identity is that they're beloved daughters of God and not any of this kind of imposter syndrome that I can get to of like, you know how many likes they have on social media or are they their identity as a dancer or their identity as a gymnast or identity as maybe straight A student. But any of those temporary things that kids and even adults, we can put our identity to. I mean, you see grown adults do that all the time. How much money they make? Are they in the corner office? You know, how many podcast downloads? How many books do they sold? Kind of all that head noise that we can get. And so I want to make sure, and I had some mentors speaking to me about this, is I want to do an identity ceremony. And so my wife and I, it's crazy. You know, you go look and there's a lot of father to son identity ceremonies that you can go find. You start Googling and you'll start to see different things. And there's even mother to daughter, but there wasn't really a father to daughter. And I wanted to be involved in it. I just didn't want to punt it and say, hey, hon, you go talk to the kids about this. I want to be involved. So what we did is based off Proverbs 31, which is the you know, story of the godly woman, we just felt, hey, we, there's five characteristics that we want to reinforce with each of our kids each of our daughters, things that we thought were important to, to talk to about with them. And so what we did is we had, we assigned one of those words to friends and family. We had them write a letter to, you know, Kylie or to Camden, but basically what this word looks like, what this characteristic looks like in a godly woman. And so they, we got all these letters and on this particular night, we put these letters in a book, like, a, you know, kind of like a snapfish book with pictures over the years, but these letters assigned to each of these five words. And it was just, it was so cool to get this book. They each have the book. But on that night, we had a few individuals read their letter that was from the book to them. And that was just a powerful situation. And then we'd go outside. We did this with both of our daughters. We then went outside and did basically kind of a, you've heard like burn the ship ceremonies, you know, based off when they went to battle many, many years ago, where this, this leader, basically, when they got off the ships into the land to fight, he burnt their ships. So there's no way to retreat. So instead, they had to do the fight <laughs> and win the fight. So it's kind of a go all in or your toast. And so in our situation, doing this ceremony, we wanted to burn the ships of any old idols, images, imposter syndrome that they had. And so we gave them a bronze mirror. This had to do with uh, a Bible verse Exodus 38, 8, where it talks about women have to hand over their bronze mirrors to be melted for the wash basins and tabernacle. And so this idea, hey, beauty's great, but it just can't come before you and God. And so this idea of the bronze mirrors were melted. So we, we got bronze mirrors and we had the, each of our daughters write down all their kind of idols or their image things that they think about. And so I don't know what they wrote. It was private, but I bet it has something to do with how many boys like them, how many social media. I'm sure it had to do with beauty and weight and grades and athletics, like all those they wrote down. Then we had them throw them in the fire and then watch them melt. 
And it was pretty darn powerful to watch kind of all that imposter syndrome, all those you know, kind of counterfeit gods just basically kind of melt. Then the next thing we did was we handed them a new bronze mirror with the five words in there. And it was awesome. It's so powerful. And so, Chris, the reason I you know share that story is since then, we just consistently talk to our kids about identity. And it is in the fact that they are beloved daughters. Now, it's great if they're good gymnasts and good dancers and they get good grades. But as a whole, that doesn't matter because that's all temporary. It's all going away. If your identity is I'm a straight A student, well, what happens when you get a B? Or if your identity is I'm a great gymnast, well, what happens if you 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 break a bone? Which all of these things have happened to my kids where my daughter that's a gymnast, she's a competitive gymnast. She was actually you know, trying out for level nine, which is pretty high. It goes to 10 before college. But she's been hurt a couple of times. But I'm so grateful we've had these conversations in our house because it didn't wreck her. She knew that she was still a strong young woman, a beloved daughter of God, whether she's a gymnast or she's not a gymnast. And it's things like that that I'm super glad we've reinforced. Because you see grown men, grown women, when they lose their job, it jacks with their identity. They, they wonder who they are. Who could they be without this job? And so then they end up, you know, maybe having a midlife crisis or something along those lines. So that identity ceremony was a huge thing for us. And I'm you know grateful we did. And hope, you know, if, if a listener likes the idea, it's in my, the whole description is in my first book called Went Home First. And I kind of lay out the whole process and steal it. Go use it and use the use the words, use everything, if it'll be a blessing to your family. Today's episode is brought to you by Flowblend. Have you been fighting to break your nicotine addiction? I've talked in the past about the importance of focusing on your own health so that you can be in your child's life as long as you can. Flowblend is a company that has created pouches that are made by a father himself to help all dads break the habit of nicotine. Over and over, Flowblend clients talk about breaking the cycle of nicotine after years because of this amazing product, and it could help you too. Quitting nicotine is tough, and it really helps to have a tool that makes it easier. And now you have Flowblend to do just that. Get 20% off your Flowblend order by using the code DADSWITHDAUGHTERS at checkout. Find out more about Flowblend at flowblend.com. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, I you've been talking a lot about kind of being intentional and being intentional in the day-to-day things that you're doing with your own daughters. But I know that, as I mentioned at the beginning, you are an author. You just mentioned your first book. You have another book called Rise and Go, How to Get Back Up with Courage and Move Forward with Confidence. And that book is now available as well. And I guess first and foremost, I know the passion that has to go into writing a book. I've written a book myself. I I know what that's like. I know how much time and effort go into it. And you have to have that passion to be able to get to the finish line. So before we jump into everything in this book, talk to me about the journey and what was it that really grabbed hold of you and made you say, I need to write this book, not only for myself, but I need to write it for dads. I need to write it for other leaders, for men. And what were you hoping for people to take out of this book? Yeah, no, it's uh, that's right. If you read a book, you 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 know it. You got to have passion to not only finish the book. We got to have passion to talk about it for years to come. <laughs> and so, uh, my first book, I went home first. The reason I wrote it is because I lost at home first. I lost at home 
And I don't want another business leader to lose at home or at work. And there's tools in this book that help me recalibrate, get back on my feet, a strain manage from like, as we talked about at the beginning, I was probably more disconnected from my kids in their early years. And I wish I was, but I was able to put tools together and realize, Hey, it's not all about work. Instead, if I went home first, then that will allow me to be successful at work for a sustainable period. And so after putting these tools in my own life, it worked. I was like, man, I want to go share this with with clients and with others. And that became the book Went Home First. And it's 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 been a fun ride. Someone at Forbes magazine said it's one of seven books everyone on your team should read. So that was, you know, cool. It's been fun to share those tools with others and help them become better fathers and, and mothers. Well, the second book, Rise and Go, you know, I didn't know I had a second book in me. I didn't know it was going to happen, but this is another book that's also written out from a experience standpoint. I decided to go all in in coaching, leave corporate America, go all into coaching March 1st, 2020. And on March 13th, when all the travel restrictions kicked in and stay-at-home mandates, I lost 35% of my revenue right then because I had speaking engagements canceled. So we are a, a single-income family, losing 35% of income on pretty much your second week of working your new entrepreneurial endeavor was awful. It was scary. I was frustrated. I was I was mad. And therefore, I basically started just putting in my quiet time, I was kind of pointing to different scriptures that were helpful, or maybe guests on my podcast had a cool story of resilience, or I got other inspirational stories. And I kind of got all this information kind of coming my way, which is fantastic, but it started to allow me to get up. And then as I was talking to different clients, Chris, that year, I had 60 different clients that year where they would say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about this or I'm struggling with this. And I'd be like, I was just processing this content this morning or earlier this week. What do you think? And they're like, oh, this is great. So I was like, man, there's something here. If it's battle tested by these clients, I want to put it in a book. So I put it in a book, first 10 chapters are to give you the courage to get back up. And the next 20, uh, 10 chapters are to give you the confidence to move forward. You know, the whole idea on this, Chris, is that all leaders get knocked down. It's just the great leaders get back up quicker. So what could it look like in your life if the next time you were knocked down from doubt or discouragement or just that feeling of defeat, you were able to get back up quicker? And that's the idea of this book, Rise and Go. It is a resource to help leaders get back up and getting living into what they're being called to do. For their purpose. So that was the book. So unfortunately, all my books come from personal testimony. So it probably means I got to have some other catastrophe or some something of chaos happening in my life for me to write a book. So I don't know if I want to write a third book because <laughs> that means I got to go through another storm. Now, as you have launched this book and you're talking to men about their own journey, what have you learned since putting this out there? Because every person that writes a book, you put something out there, like you said, based on your own experience and the things that you've learned and, and you have hopes of what people are going to take out of it. But what have you learned that you didn't know from people that have read it and have gave you feedback since? One thing that really stood out to me while I think after I've written the book and I was putting together some information for a keynote, I came across this study and I didn't have it while I wrote the book. Otherwise, I would include it in there. But it was a study of like these two different groups of kids. And as they looked at the kids, the, the grouping that rebounded the best from maybe getting cut from a team or not making the, the one of the speaking roles in the theater or getting bad grades on a test or whatever that could have been. The group of students that rebounded the quickest were ones that had heard stories of their parents and of their grandparents of resilience. 
almost this idea that we can borrow people's courage from our family and from generational. Like, you know, if one of your daughters stumbles or makes a big mistake, it's like, that's okay. Dad makes mistakes, but he gets back up. That's okay. We're Lewis's. If we mess up or we get bad grades on a test, that's okay. We're getting back up. If we get fired or cut from the team, it's okay because we're Lewis's. We get back up. And so the study showed that these kids were actually buying into that lineage of resiliency that they had in their family. And that's what I've loved about even doing this book inside my own house is because as I've talked about the book, as I've talked about the ups and downs, or I've lost a client kids, or I thought I had this speaking engagement, but it got canceled. And then as I share that with them, they don't feel defeated because they know, hey, dad's going to get back up. Dad is going to rise and go. And they, I've seen it in them where they have just become more resilient since it's a topic in our house of, of rise and go, of getting back up. And so that's been one powerful thing just from a parenting, as you know, dads with daughters podcast. I mean, that's been a huge thing is as we show our own faults, our own sins, our own shortcomings, but yet we also show our successes, our kids will start to buy that for themselves. And it's awesome. And it's cool to see. And then as far as what else have I seen as people have seen the keynote or read the book and sent me notes is it sounds so silly, but it's this, oh yeah, this is great to know other leaders stumble. I'm not alone. I thought I was the only one that yeah, I have this comment in there about having no friends at one point. And then people like, oh, I also struggle with friends because I'm an executive and because I have kids and because I'm married, I don't have a lot of different friends. And so there's just this lot of, as people have read and I've gotten messages or emails, you just see this kind of common thread of the enemy, the head trash, whatever that is, makes us feel like when we're getting knocked down, we're the only ones. And, and a lot of times if people aren't reading this book, their coping mechanism is to get lost into social media and just aimlessly scroll or just sit and watch TV, which just makes everything worse. And so by those that have read this book or heard the keynote, it gives them not only some of the tools of resilience, but also gives them hope for what is to come. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it is important for people to be able to, as you said, pick themselves back up, to have resilience, to show that resilience to their daughters, because everyone goes through highs and lows and times when they have to pick themselves back up or they fall into that depression. They fall into that that well and they're, they're looking for that lifeline. And it's so important to be able to have those skills, those those uh, resources, those things at their fingertips that they can grab to. And I appreciate that, that you've taken the time to be able to talk through that and be able to challenge people to be able to do just that. Now, you mentioned that when you jumped into the, the coaching biz, you, it was right in the midst of the pandemic, you, right at the beginning, and uh, you had to make that big switch. And you did that in 2020. So talk to me a little bit about your leadership coaching and what you do, especially for dads and men that are trying to do that balance. If people are interested in, in being able to connect with the work that you're doing to, as you say, win both at work and at home, talk to me through that and what you do to be able to work with these individuals one-on-one. -on -one. The majority, I'd say 98% of my clients are in fact men. And they are fathers and they are married and they, you know, ha have the demands of family work on their shoulders. And I would say, oh, 
even though all my clients have come from different industries, whether it's 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 wealth management, it's manufacturing, it is construction, it's all over the board. But a lot of my conversations are the same, and that's one thing I've found myself often saying is, "Man, just you are not alone in this." Whether it's the 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 limiting beliefs that you're hearing, maybe it's a feeling of lack of purpose. Maybe it's just wondering, are you the leader that's got what it takes to lead your family or to lead your team? Like it is just a common feel that we all have is, hey, are we enough to lead our team? And kind of do we have what it takes? And so if someone's interested in coaching, yeah, I mean, I do both one-on-one as well as group. Group is more people on the call, therefore you get less time. It's also less of investment. Uh, One-on-one, you obviously get more time to process and think through different things uh, with with me and we talk. And everyone says the best part about coaching is you have outside perspective and accountability. Outside perspective, because leadership is you know, lonely at the top. You know, leading our families can be hard at times because our kids roll our eyes and it doesn't seem like our wife agrees with every idea we've got. And so it kind of feels lonely at different times. Same thing at work. If you're the boss, well, you can't necessarily bounce all ideas off with your employees because you're the one supposed to be having the vision and driving everyone in that direction. And the second piece is accountability. It is so easy to have a list of goals and then we start them and then we get kicked in the teeth. A couple of times and we're like, yeah, forget this. I'm not going after it. But if you've got someone on the other line rooting for you, cheering for you, and but yet holding you accountable, you can see some significant growth and progress. So yeah, my website's CoreyMCarlson.com. And there you can learn more about one-on-one coaching or group coaching. And no matter what the coaching is, one-on-one or group, I always tell everybody kind of these four steps of how we work together. First is that perspective, that current reality, the good, bad, ugly of your life. What is it? Let's talk about it. The next is potential. Where do you want to go? Do you have a personal vision statement? Do you have a family vision? What about your team? You kind of know where you're taking your team or your company. And then next is, all right, now we know where we're at. We know where we want to go. What are those priorities to get there? So we'll talk about time management. We'll talk about a key framework that I learned from my coach about a decade ago called the five capitals and just some other cool tools to help you prioritize. What is it like to be an intentional father? What is it like to be an intentional leader? And then the very last step would be just that path forward. In between our calls, you've got some action items you're going to go after that we agree upon make sense, as well as quarterly and annual you know, goals. So that's kind of just a quick overview of how we work together. And it's just, it's, you know, it's high accountability, but it's also high encouragement. I will put a link in the notes today so that you know how to access this and how to get in touch with Corey. Now, Corey, we've come to the part in our show where I ask you five more questions to delve a little bit deeper into you as a dad. It's time for our fatherhood five. Are you ready? I'm ready. Although your question's been hard, so I don't know, man. We may have to uh, abandon this. One word. What is fatherhood? Awesome. It's a time that you finally felt that you succeeded in being a father to a daughter. This first semester of college. But yeah, I just, uh, I think there's other, there's been a few different times. What are the way my kids have handled character and situations? That's, you know, I think that's some of the biggest ones when I don't care how hard my kid plays on the, you know, my son plays on the basketball court. It's his attitude. It's his character. That like, that's all the important stuff. But the way you, and when you ask that question, like when did I really first feel, Hey, it's kind of all came together, even though there's small pieces on seeing my daughter, when she went off to college, right. It's kind of like when we allow them to go off on their own, what kind of decisions do they make? And once again, you can't tie your identity to that. If they made a bunch of bad decisions, you're not a, a worthless father that, you know, and same thing. You made a bunch of amazing decisions. You're not, you're not the perfect father. I mean, it's, we gotta be careful with that, but seeing my daughter go off to college and, 
and just the conversations we've had since then, you know, her drive in some certain areas, the way she's, you know, questioned some things. Not every choice she made was uh, the choice I would have made. And, and, you know, she made a few choices she's, you know, wish she didn't. But it's the conversations we've had since then, the way she's recalibrated and the way she is, you know, going back to living in her identity. If I was to ask your kids, how would they describe you as a dad? Well, I think uh, I mean, that, that'd be fantastic. And even talking about it again, it's a reminder. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that again. Give me a score. Zero to 10. Where am I at? I think they would say I could probably be intense as far as the, the coaching and always want to make sure we're, we're talking coaching and God. But I would. So intense would be one. Intentional would be another that I make sure we go on dates. I make sure we have time together and I have my phone away when we are together. So I would say intense. That's probably one I could probably improve on. Intentional. That's one I'm you know, proud of, if you will. And I do think that they would believe in the title of my book, Win a Home First, that I have put my family first. I've said no to things so that I could be with my family, so I could go to dance competitions, gymnastics meets, basketball games, that I would do that to be with my family. So I... I am confident that they would say, I have, you know, one at home first. Inspires you to be a better dad. The great commission for me is go and make disciples. Is that is what we're called to do? And the people in my home are those that I need to go make disciples of. I mean, so what inspires me is that it's, it's our calling. And so I need to continue to invest and love on, care for these kids and make disciples. You've given a lot of pieces of advice, but at the end, what advice would you want to leave every dad with? I'll actually give two pieces of advice. First thing is we said a lot today and there's no condemnation in anything we said. Just grab one thing and try it. Anything. Oh, I've never been on a date with my daughter. Oh, great. Go on one date. Um, you know, Don't hear all these things like you fall short, you suck as a dad because you haven't done all these things. I mean, and there's many things I've not done. I mean, so I, I kind of say this from experience. So if I listen to some of these podcasts, I'm like, oh man, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I'm awful. So the first thing I'd say is try just one thing. There's a phrase I love, information plus implementation leads to transformation. So there are tons of podcasts out there. There's tons of books. And a lot of us consume information, but we really never implement anything to be any different. So if you want true transformation in your fatherhood, I encourage you just to implement one thing out of today's discussion. That's the first thing. Second is, man, you will stumble again. You're going to lose your temper with the kid. You're going to just say something dumb. Forgive yourself and recalibrate and move on. And if you, you aren't where you're at as a dad as of today, that's okay. Just recalibrate and, and continue to kind of, you know, sharpen the saw and get better. Well, Corey, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing everything that you've shared. And I wish you all the best. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I enjoy being on there. And like I said, I love your questions. There's some good questions. Actually made me think a little bit of, uh, uh oh, I better pick it up a notch. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters 
and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.